Verbally Effective with Ina Esco is an interview-style podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, and entertainment with a Memphis focus. Each week, I'm joined by a featured guest with roots in Memphis. Verbally Effective delves into each guest's personal journey to uncover the incredible stories fueling their purpose, the highs and lows of their pursuits, and how through their passion, they are moving the culture forward. Be sure to follow Verbally Effective and Ina Esco on Instagram. Also, download the Verbally Effective podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Don't forget to check out the website and submit to be a guest at verballyeffective.com. You are listening to Chef Reagan, author of The Single Girl's Guide to Great Cooking, also known as The Cosmopolitan Cook, and you are listening to Verbally Effective with Ina Esco. Hi, what's going on? This is Kenneth Wells with 3i Creative Communications, and you're now listening to Verbally Effective Podcast with DJ Esco. Wrong Esco? All right, Ina Esco. Greetings, greetings, and welcome to another edition of the Verbally Effective Podcast. I am your host, your double E, Ina Esco. Welcome, welcome once again. Make sure you guys check out the website, verballyeffective.com. Check out their YouTube channel, Ina Esco. And of course, subscribe to the podcast on all streaming platforms. You know, Verbally Effective intersects art, culture, politics, entertainment with a Memphis flair. And today I have with me a designer, a creative director, a space creator, and the owner of Inkwell Cocktail Bar. I'm talking about Ben Kolar. What's up, Ben? Oh, not much, not much. How you doing? Welcome. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing all right. Doing okay. Yes, holidays. How was your Thanksgiving? <clears throat> I was good. Ate a lot of food. Um, you know, Hung with friends. Um, it was amazing. Did you cook? Nah, nah. It's been no. a minute since I cooked on Thanksgiving. Actually, no, I made macaroni last year. Made macaroni but, last <laughs> yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you make any drinks? I drank a lot of drinks. Okay. Does that count? That counts. All right, cool. That counts. Because cool. I know you're a mixologist. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. but I know sometimes for the holiday, you probably want to take a break and let I somebody think. else do it. I was chilling. You was chilling. Okay. So, Ben, um, we actually met in person at the Unapologetic Outer Space studio opening last week. Yeah. Yes. And um, when someone said your name, I said, oh, I have to meet him. I know he's the owner of Inkwell, and I've been hearing so many wonderful things about your establishment. And so we talked. I said, let me get you on the podcast. And you Mm -hmm. eagerly obliged. You said, Inkwell man. Inkwell man. (laughs) (laughs) I said, Inkwell man. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I was a little lit uh, that night, but I had a great time. Uh, Big shout outs to uh, I Make Mad Beats Pro, the whole crew over there, Unapologetic. But look, Ben, we're going to start at the beginning. Where are you originally from? So I'm originally from Southside Chicago. Uh, I was born on 81st and Emerald. Um, yeah, born and raised there and, you know, uh, ended up in Memphis um, in 2002. In 2002. Let's stay in, in Southside Chicago okay, okay. for a minute. Okay. Um, tell me about growing up in Chicago. I've never been there. I heard so many great things about Chicago. Um, a lot of people tell me that. Chicago and Memphis are like sister cities. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can validate that for me or not. But tell me about your experience growing up there. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I I had a very specific experience. Obviously, Chicago's really big. Um, so growing up on the South Side, and specifically the part of the South Side that I grew up on, um, you know, very, um, you know, I have a big family. Um, you know, my mother has seven kids, six wow. boys, one girl. Six boys, one girl. Yep, yep. All of us, all of our names start with a B except Lloyd. <laughs> Why Lloyd don't have a B? That's my father's name. Okay, gotcha, 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 gotcha. But, you know, my, my, a lot of my time uh, as a kid in Chicago was around my family, and, you know, we grew up in the church, so it was basically church and family, so uh, so we mostly, mostly stayed out of trouble, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, typical sort of childhood, just a few, you know, things we had to sort of be careful with, and... Um, but yeah, went to the park every day, played basketball, um, you know, things like that. Were you brothers very protective of the girl? Honestly, my sister was is tougher than all the boys. Gotcha. Like she the toughest. Um, she could hold her own. Um, you know, she was she's towards the older oldest. Um, so um, you know, she had a, a couple of my brothers are older than her, but she's I mean honestly tougher than them. <laughs> if they see this. Uh, but uh. And where do you fall in that one through seven? So I'm fifth. So fifth. Fifth from the top. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, you know, a lot of people say that, um, like I said before, there are a lot of similarities with Memphis and Chicago. Yeah, yeah. What would you say are the biggest similarities between Memphis and Chicago? Well, there's deep, there's a lot of deep culture in both cities. Um, you know, Chicago is weird because it's, it's big, but everybody knows everybody, kind of, or at least is you know, big one, city. Sep- one, yeah, one degree of separation. Mm-hmm. At least, you know, everybody's somebody cousin, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, again, specifically speaking about the South Side experience. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all types of, uh, all different places in Chicago. But um, mm-hmm. so that aspect, um, obviously music, um, you know, as a kid, uh, people in Chicago liked Memphis music. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like, New Orleans, like, No Limit. Uh, mm-hmm. That was when that was popping. Um but yeah, I would say like you know the the culture and sort of the fact that most people know, you know, someone that someone else knows. Yeah. And then there are a lot of people that move from Memphis to Chicago. I've heard. Yeah, and that's the that's the other Both thing. Ways. If you here, if you live here, you got a cousin in Memphis or in Chicago. If you live in Chicago, you got a cousin in Memphis. Um, so I mean, I've you know a lot of people that I've gone to high, that I went to high school with, you know, will tell me like, oh yeah, I got an auntie up there, I got a grandma. Um, and so yeah, I think that that sort of connection. Has always been there. Do you go there often? Not lately. I mean, it's probably down to like one time a year at this point. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I used to go all the time. Um, most of my family are now kind of spread out. Like, you know, they're they're not all on the south side. Some are on the mm-hmm. south suburbs. Some most of them moved to Indiana because it's cheaper now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I try to get back as much as I can. Okay. Yeah. And when you were, let's just say, in high school, what high school did you attend? Uh, in Chicago. CVS. It's actually CVS. not called that anymore, but okay. Chicago Vocational School. Mm-hmm. But now it's called Chicago Vocational Career Academy. But I don't, gotcha. I don't mess with that. C- you don't mess with that? The CVS. new one. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. What were you into in high school? Like, what was your thing? Were you uh, involved in? Yeah. Passionate um, about? I played a lot of basketball. Like, okay. you you couldn't you couldn't tell me I wasn't going to the NBA, <laughs> basically, up right. until, you know, sophomore you year high school. Who are you I was just... Bad at basketball. Like, <laughs> I wasn't okay. bad. I, I wasn't bad, but I wasn't like that good. I was a. Uh, I was. Uh, I was probably more of a shooting guard, but I was short, so it didn't. Mm-hmm. That didn't work. You know what I mean? 
Um, but I would say basketball. Um, I did a lot of like drawing as a kid too. Okay. I had like this book, this binder that I would do a lot of drawing in, and um, and sort of once computers started to come around in high school, mm-hmm. um, I found myself doing a lot of you know art and stuff on a computer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew that there was some you know something creative in me pretty early. I knew I wanted to do something that has had to do with art um, at some point. Okay. And when you graduated CVS, what happened? When I graduated CVS, so so actually, um, so CVS, CVS stands for Chicago Vocational School, so we had majors. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my major was um, commercial art. And um, basically all, all during, during the class, we would just either do, like, draw, like, different things that are sitting on the table or go to the computer lab and do, uh, you know, computer art. So, um the teacher had this connection with two schools, um, Columbus College of Art and Design in Ohio and Memphis College of Art. So um, what he would do is say every year he would say, give me this certain amount of money. I'll take pictures of all your work, make slides, and send them to both of those schools, and it covers the application fee and all that. And they'll review it and see if you can get a scholarship. Um, <clears throat> so so I did that, and um, I got a scholarship to both places um it wasn't that much <laughs> it, <laughs> was it was something. a couple dollars a couple dollars mm-hmm. um and uh actually thought I was going to go to Columbus College of Art and Design um because I was interested in their interior uh, interior in their uh industrial design program because I was like I want to design shoes or cars or something mm-hmm. like that um as I sort of got closer to the end um and you know talking to their financial aid and all that stuff I realized like they were like double the price of, mm. of Memphis College of Art. Um, and so like literally at the last minute, like I called up the MCA, the, the school I already told them I wasn't going to. Mm-hmm. Um, and they and I was like, hey, um, I was actually thinking about coming through. And they were like, uh, yeah, like sh- they were like really eager and like found me a roommate and like <clears throat> put, put, put everything together for me. Um, but yeah, once I graduated, you know, it was it was kind of a wake up call a little bit, you yes. know. Um, High school was very much about, you know, popularity and what you got, what you don't got. Um, I wasn't I wasn't a super popular dude in high school, um, and I certainly did not have anything. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know, um, after high school, I, I remember the, the day going back to get my uh, uh, diploma, which I never got because I lost a book or something. But, uh, and I remember walking down this line, <clears throat> excuse me, I remember walking down the long line of people who were waiting on their um, uh, diploma. And at that moment, I was just like, man, I did all this work to, like, try to, like, impress all of them or gain respect. And, I like, it dawned on me, like, none of that even mattered, man. I wasted all this time mm-hmm. trying to impress this person, this person. And we are, now we all at the same okay. same level. Yes. Um, and so that was kind of a, a little bit of a uh, wake-up call when I left high school. And so, you know, from that point on, I, I decided that, you know, I'm, I wasn't going to, you know, spend most of my time trying to impress people or, you know, make basically try to just make decisions for myself. So Right. And that was your beginning here in Memphis. Yeah. Memphis College of Art. Yes. Rest in peace. Oh. <laughs> what was your <laughs> immediate thoughts when you moved to Memphis? When you hit Memphis. Oh, what, man. What did you think about the culture? How did it look? The people? Um, so like, 
that was it was it was my first time actually like spending time like in the south um and obviously when you don't live in the south you see movies or music videos and like um and you kind of have an idea of mm-hmm. you think you have an idea of what it's like and so when I got here, I was surprised that it was actually a lot like <laughs> what I saw. <laughs> what did they say and, about Memphis? Uh, what did anybody tell you about Memphis before you got here? So my mother used to come down here every year for uh-huh. the, the the convocation, for the Koja convocation. Okay. Um, and so, thank you. <clears throat> got frogs in my throat. Um, so my mother came down here every year. So all I knew is that that's this is where the convocation was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... You know, I didn't really know much about the culture. Also knew about, you know, 3-6 Mafia because, you know, my homies would listen to, to that a lot um, when we were in high school. Um, but, like, the little bits that I had uh, got, I was like, yep, Kojic and 3-6. You know? Kojic and 3-6. Yeah, go, go. Like, when I saw Kojic. a gold, I was tripping. I had never seen somebody <laughs> with a gold. Jerry Curls. Oh, yeah. I went to, um, the first week I moved here, I went to, uh, was it Southland Mall or mm-hmm. in Whitehaven? Yeah, on oh, Elvis Presley Southland. Yeah, I, w- I went to that mall and I was like looking around, like, no, this like legit. The oh yeah, that's what you go see. Yeah, it was a, it was quite a, it was quite amazing. Still to this day, still mm-hmm. to this day. I hope they get their Christmas tree back too. I I don't know what's going on with that Christmas tree, but um, so two thousand two was the year. Um, mm-hmm. how was your experience at Memphis College of Art? Um, it was dope. It was it was dope. Um. You know, mostly because it, it it was a time for me to become an adult to try to you know form my my thoughts and opinions and or just like what I what I wanted to do for myself. Obviously, I didn't figure it all figure it all out then, but it um, because I'm you know there to to uh, build a career. It just forced me to think about the future. Um, um, yeah, so made some friends there. Uh, ended up making some uh, some connections and you know friendships that I still have to this day mm-hmm. um you know it's sort of a structure that I hadn't really had before um and it was you know it was an all-around po- positive experience okay yeah. and what was your focus um in the curriculum so I majored in, majored in um graphic design um so basically did that all four years um I did take um small the small metals class i was pretty much into that too um i didn't get the major in it because it was like only two more classes i would have needed to take to actually double major but i never took the other two classes but um so i like the idea of you know doing work on a computer you know designing things but also like still doing things with my hands and so Mm -hmm. that actually um manifested itself a lot in the my senior show that had to do like it's basically like the senior thesis, the art version of the senior thesis, where you create, um, you know, an art piece that gets displayed after graduation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I built this sort of 3D installation that had graphic elements, that had metal and concrete. And, wow. Um, and so, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Did you get rave reviews on it? Yeah. I bet you yeah. did. <laughs> I need to check it out. It sounds very yeah. interesting. Yeah, we had a strong class that year, too. Like, okay. I, you know, being there all four years, I saw all the senior shows. And when when we the, our class graduated, it was like generally said that like this is one of the strongest like shows that they had seen in a while. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, you don't have to toot your horn. Toot your horn. That's what <laughs> verbally effective is all yeah. about. Now, yeah. when you completed Memphis College of Art, what was next for Ben Polar? Um. So 
I um so before I um graduated, I actually did an internship um at a company called Red Deluxe. And so that was actually my first like real my career first career job. Um even though I was an intern, they kind of threw me into the fire and was like mm-hmm. we're not going to treat you like an intern. Like we got we got ads due today like, you know. Get to work. Get to work. And so I started that the summer before my senior year and really like got to understand how advertising agencies work like mm-hmm. You know, I was really fortunate that I got that opportunity before I graduated. Um, and so um, so I was working there. Um, and then I moved to Philadelphia pretty much right after I graduated to sort of, you know, see what the big city was like um, and didn't find a job. Okay, <laughs> so you moved there without a job. You was without like, I'm a job, to Philly, man. With, without a job. Um, but, you know, I was, I was able to do freelance for like two years. And actually – the freelance actually kind of got lit there for a second, um, uh, but um, ended up ended up getting a job. It was like right um, right around the, the recession, um, I guess like in two thousand eight, mm-hmm. um, and so um, I ended up getting a job um, at this agency. Um, I'm not gonna name them because it was the worst job I ever had. In my don't life. name them. Don't, I'm not gonna name don't them. bust uh, them out. Yeah. Oh, they, they're not. It's not gonna hurt them. Believe me. They, <laughs> yeah. But. Um, but yeah, um, you know, I was working there, uh, and then the place that I interned at um, when I was here, you know, they had a person leave, and they said, "Hey, like," you know, and honestly, they had been trying to get me to come back like a few times um, since I left. But um, but that last time, you know, I was sitting there at the job, you know, that I just was not feeling, um, and part of me is just like, "Oh, you know, it, it looks like like I gave up if it's like a, you know I I, let, I went to." to the East Coast or whatever and gave up and came back to this. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about it wrong, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but um, anyway, so this company asked me to come back, and it was a position that was way more, you know, attractive. And so I ended up coming back in 2010. 2010. Yeah. And you began um, – let's talk about Inkwell. Let's let's fast forward to Inkwell okay. right now. Um how did you come up with the name? Um, why did you choose this type of cocktail bar business? Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. Um, so that's basically is born out of a recent thing where, um, you know, I kind of got into craft cocktails, um, into mixology. How did um, you get into it? So the crazy thing is I didn't really drink until I was like 27. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't drink till late. And when I came into drinking, it was through cocktails, like, um, and so, you know, that, that aspect of it was interesting to me, you know, um, you know, someone made me, I think the first real drink I had was, was called a last word and someone made that for me. And I was like, what is this? What is this? <laughs> Why did you wait so long to have a drink? I mean, it was a, com- it was a combination of like, you know, I grew up in a church and like, uh, and I just, I just saw, uh, uh, enough sort of negative stuff that just made me not rush to drink. Like I just... And I, at the time, again, like at the time, I hadn't had anything that was that compelled me to keep drinking. Like it was just like, Ugh, it's nasty, you know. Yeah. Um, until that last word. The last word. That last word was out. the last word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, this is this is different, you know. Um, and so, you know, that I, after I had that, you know, I started to just look into other th- things. I had a couple buddies who were into mixology and they were basically like sharing recipes with me and um and like I, we would just test out stuff try stuff every now and then and then you know I would basically 
<clears throat> try to like go to some sort of cocktail bar whenever I travel. You know, I try to you know expand experience to not just Memphis. Like, what what are cocktail bars like in other cities? So mm-hmm. basically, every time I went to any city, I would try to find as many cocktail bars I could find, and um, and then just hit them up and see what the experience was like. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that um, that's basically what's what started me down this this the path of being into cocktails mm-hmm. you know opening the bar that's obviously like that's kind of a big st- big that's step from big just step. like oh I'm at home making some drink so yeah. I'm not a bartender never never has worked never have worked a, as a bartender um but um I felt like I knew enough to be dangerous is that a good thing or bad? that's a good that's okay. a I great knew, thing okay I knew enough to be dangerous and so I basically um after having so many experiences at, at bars, there were some things that I had noticed. Um, the craft cocktail space is kind of a, is dominated by white males. Um, and, you know, as, as a person that's not a white male, you know, when I would go to different cocktail bars, um, I would notice that I would have to, like, adjust myself to make sure, to, so that they respect me enough to give me the thing that I'm asking for. So there was a lot of situations where um, <clears throat> I would go to the bar and ask for a cocktail, and they would, you know, you know that has this in it, right? You know that's this that's gonna taste like this, a little bitter. And I would like, you know, I know, I know what that is. <laughs> can make can my you drink make bag. the drink I asked you for? <laughs> you know, um, and that that happened all the time, actually. Okay. You know, um, there's a drink called the classic daiquiri, um, which is two ounces of rum, one ounce lime, one ounce simple syrup. Well. You know, whenever I would go ask for daiquiri, they would think I would be asking for, like, the frozen joint at Applebee's, you know. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, hey, I'll take a daiquiri. And they were like, oh, we don't have a um, we don't have a blender. And I was like, I want a classic daiquiri. And they, they would just assume, you know what I mean, like I wanted something else because I was black, you know. Um, and so, and the other piece of that is for, for those who didn't order the smart drink, you know, they would just get treated bad. Like, like we don't mm. do that here or, you know get an attitude so you know i started to notice that and like because i really like craft cocktails i kind of just sort of say well this is just a part of it this is just what i'm gonna have to deal with if i want to do this you know i just kind of accepted it and um basically during the pandemic um you know sitting at home for you know a year um you know i was just thinking about what things were going to be like when we got back out there and Obviously, we had a lot of social unrest um, yes. you know, going on during that time. And um, <clears throat> I just sort of said, like, yeah, when we get out of here, we need more options. Like, we, we at least need one other option. And so, like, I remember thinking, like, what are some what are some options that we can, what are some places that we can go that are different from where we've been going, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and I couldn't think of any. And... Um, I just was like, I, I think part of this was just like the craziness of being in the house for so long, mm-hmm. you know, just sort of sit in. I was just like, I can do anything, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so I was like, you know what, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just work, I'm gonna just work on opening a bar. Mm-hmm. And um, if I hit a wall, I hit a wall, and I'll just, you know, and, and, and you know, say like I tried, but um, I never hit the wall. I mean, never hit the know, wall. So how did you come up with Inkwell as the name? Inkwell. Um, is okay so the idea is that you have the pen 
if the pen is out there that's doing work and then at some point the pen runs out of ink, it needs to go back to the well and refill and then go back out there. So mm-hmm. one big idea that I've been talking about in Diligence Bar is this idea of rest, you know, um, rest and refilling. Um, oftentimes in um, bars, um, you know, there's this idea of I got to let me sort of get myself up to go into this bar. Like I have to do these things first in in order to me in order for me to enter uh, this bar. And I wanted it to feel different. I wanted it to feel like you go out there, you drain, you got nothing, right? Mm-hmm. You, you don't want to, you ain't got no fancy clothes on, you know, your hair ain't dead. Come in here. Let, let us put that on you. Let us make you feel special. You don't have to, like, you know, present yourself to a certain, you know, degree in order to enter. Like, you don't have to earn entering into Inkwell. Um, you know, I would hope that people who come in, they they leave out, you know, better than before because we you know we don't have any tvs or anything and we want people to talk to each other um yeah. we want people to be treated well you almost want to say hey let me hold your phone let me let me put your phone in the bag <laughs> <laughs> so we can I communicate mean, <laughs> i mean that would be crazy yeah if we, if we took everybody's phones but no you know i mean it, it, that's a part of it you know i also want them sharing um <laughs> they're, they're, right they're let's equal. promote equal <laughs> but yeah i mean that was sort of the the goal um and you know, I think people. I think people are getting it. You know, people they get there, and there's there's questions. You know, when it first opened, there's like questions like, "So you don't have hookah?" Like, how, you know, like stuff like yeah. that, where there's this expectation. Um, mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think I think people are getting it. They, you know, it, it's become sort of a break for some people who like the club life. You know, I mean, I like I like going to clubs, um, mm-hmm. but sometimes you you know. Sometimes you just you don't want to pay cover. Sometimes you don't want to get okay. down on the way in. Sometimes okay. you just want to get in, have a drink, and leave. You know. Yeah. Sometimes you want to you know wear a hoodie. You know, wear Jordans. So we can do all that at the Inkwell. Yes. And the less distractions at the Inkwell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want people talking to each other, talking yeah. to each other. So. And you're out there in the Edge District. Why did you choose that location? Um. Well, that was kind of a opportunity that came up while I was doing research for this. Um, so my, uh, the creative agency I own, um, is also in the edge district. Um, we had made a really good connection with the MMDC, the, the medical district collaborative that's, that sort of, uh, houses the edge district. Um, and just, you know, we, we had had a, a connection with them where they sort of had a finger on the pulse of what was coming online as far as property wise, development wise in the city. And, um, you know, in my mind, I had always always said that, like, when I open this bar, I don't think I want it on a strip. Like, I don't think I want it on South Main or mm-hmm. in Cooper Young, over in the square. Like, I kind of want it a place where people say, like, oh, I'm I'm going to go to Inkwell. Or to Inkwell. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I believe that now, cause <laughs> but <laughs> but that was the that was the thought then. Um, and so this the opportunity came up, and um, and it kind of was, you know, felt pretty perfect uh, being across the street from Evelyn and Olive, and just sort of the, the resurgence of black business in that neighborhood. You know, um, between Evelyn and Olive, um, us, uh, Chef Tams is over there. Yeah, um, very thriving. Yeah, and a few others. So I wanted to be a part of it, um, and I wanted to kind of be a flagship for that area and. 
know, there's other things coming. There's other, some other things online um, or coming online in the, in, in the next few years mm-hmm. over there. And so, <clears throat> yeah, I just wanted to stay in that neighborhood. I, I love the Edge District. I love Medical Historic. District. Historic, yeah. yeah. I like it, too. And, um, you know, your background um, with the advertising, um, mm-hmm. the art, how did you incorporate your background into Inkwell, into the space? Well, I mean, you know, after years of um, selling things to people, you know, all types of people, you know, I felt like I got a pretty pretty good grasp on, you know, how to do that type of work. Um, so, you know, I knew that Inkwell itself would be, you know, a dope experience. The, the Now that the mission was how do I convince all these people who never heard of me, first off, um, or a concept like this that no this is no this is good you know um, and so I basically try to use different strategies to introduce um, you know the concept um, and not just strategies like I wanted to make it clear like this is why we exist so first like I kind of led with the mission like um, we're a craft cocktail bar you know in a city that is mostly black like we want this bar to look more like Memphis. Mm-hmm. Than they usually do. Um, we want uh, we want a, a, a space that you know that is comfortable to everybody. You know, and so I led with that. There was a lot of like articles early, and sort of that mission is what got out first. Like what I was trying to do got out first, um, and so I think you know everyone was on board with that. Um, and then obviously you know um, I'm a graphic designer, and that's my background, and so. I sort of brought that in to did, did some design work. Um, the logo itself is done by um, Amber Ahmad, um, who did the feather illustration, which I have tatted on me actually. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, and so I basically brought that into it. And I think once I sort of put out the brand branding and did some photography, I think that's when people started to take it serious. They're like, oh, "Okay, okay, this guy, mm-hmm. this this seems like a legit thing." Um, so I wanted to be intentional with that. Um, you know, before we even opened, you know, I would put out drink recipes and um and so yeah. And you guys have been really busy for the holiday. Yeah, we had a we've been having a great week. Um uh, you know, I guess they thirsty this week. All they that thirsty. all that all that dry <laughs> ass <Mary>. turkey. <laughs> They're like, I don't want no more of this turkey, man. Let me get a wow. let me get old fashioned. Now um, let me ask you this, Ben. Do you feel like you know, even, you know, with your background, um, as stated, do you have to be on social media all the time? Or do you, you utilize your, your guests at Inkwell to do that for you? Or is there a constant need to promote, promote, promote? Especially with being a new business owner right. and just really getting your product out in front of people. Yeah, um, the top of mind, because it's a bar, the top of mind thing is important, you know, um, I think it's different from different for different industries. Um, you know, my other company, we don't really post that much, but we have a lot of word of mouth business um, because it's typically more like B two B. But a place like this, you know, sometimes someone's sitting there at work or or doing something, they don't really know <clears throat> what they're gonna do, you know, when they get off. Mm-hmm. And so the hope is, you hit them at a time where they're like just about to make that decision of what they're like three or four. Yeah. They're like, mm-hmm. you know, or they had decided like, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm inside tonight, you know? And then they see that post and they, you know, see that drink or that, that photo of the experience and go like, 
I'm trying to get them vibes. <laughs> I'm trying to get them vibes, you know. So, um, so yeah, there, there's a there's definitely um, there's definitely strategy to that. <clears throat> um, there is you can also overdo it, you know. Um, I certainly see uh, um, um, examples of you know places that sort of they do social media like they, it's kind of feels fake, you know. Like the, like I'm doing social media like the kids do social media. Um, but it is important to post um, strategically um, and also just sort of not just post about asking, like, please, 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 but give some resources, like, mm-hmm. like make some of the posts about something that, that could be helpful to them, like like the recipes that, mm-hmm. that we posted. Give something. Give something, yeah. So, um, yeah, so it's I, th- I think there is there's some importance to it. Okay, and let's talk about the vibes. Uh, we kind of talked about this at Outer <clears throat> Space. Um because I know I told you I had just started. Um, well, I've been taking a few DJ lessons and, <laughs> you know, messing around with turntables one and two. But um, let's talk about the vibe there, the music. Um, yeah. What can we expect at Inkwell when we walk in with the vibes on a music tip? So <clears throat> I, had, um, I had made a, a music list. Man, I'm <clears throat> That's okay. It's early in the morning um, for me. <laughs> Get it out. Yeah. Um, I had made a music list, a couple of music lists, um, when we were nearing opening. And I think that that kind of became, like, we don't play that list anymore, um, but that became like a blueprint, I think, mm-hmm. for um, for just what gets played. And obviously, like, there's new stuff that comes out. and um, But really, at this point, a lot of the music that gets played in there is, like, it's a, almost a community, you know, like sometimes it's, you know, one of the bartenders picks the list. Sometimes someone hands, hands the ox to somebody, behind, you know, okay. sitting at the bar last night. Um, I'm going to blow up a spot. Last night, pro had the iPad walking around with the iPad <laughs> Come on, the whole pro. night. He had, the, he had the iPad in his arm the whole night, just like picking, like he was basically DJing. I know, you know that what was what I mean? a banging. Yeah, uh, it was dope. It was dope. From pro. Yeah. And, and, um, it's become like now that everybody's come in and kind of know the vibe, you can probably hand that thing to pretty much anybody and they're going to catch it and like be able to, you know, keep it going. But, but it's, you know, I, I would say there when it's time to chill, you know, we keep everything in the either sort of like, you know, R and B and, you know, some, some classic R and B, some classic hip hop mm-hmm. um, or vibey, vibey hip hop. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of the the field, um, and then sometimes as it gets a little little later in the night, you know, some some stuff that's a little bit more like turned up, might a little tired, yeah, a little might, tired. You gotta throw on a little tired for yeah, the folk. Bit, yeah. Now you know Memphis music um, has always been classic. Like everyone has always picked up on Memphis music vibes. Mm-hmm. Now, what did you think? What do you think about the Memphis music scene? I know you're from Chicago, but when you got here, yeah. and, and even your thoughts today, you know, we yeah. we heavily Grammy nominated. Yeah, right yeah, now. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Oscar winning music. Oscar out here, winning. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So, <clears throat> so when I was in Chicago, uh, I had these homies, Richard and Raymond, um, and they, they were twins. They listened to only No Limit and Three Six. It's the only thing they listened to. And at the time, you know. Again, I'm 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 a little bit of an R and B dude, right? And I grew up in church, so like at the time I was and like you singing. 
I'll be singing sometimes. I'll be singing. <laughs> okay. Uh, at the time, I, I wasn't, I didn't get it. You know what I mean? Like when I was in Chicago, I didn't really get it. Um, you had to see it. Well, because that's that was that was born out of an experience, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like it's very helpful for people to be here and have that experience to to really understand. I think it's the same thing for some, you know some Chicago music like Do or Die, Twister, mm-hmm. Crucial Conflict. Mm-hmm. Like, Come on. Um, like it's the same thing where I don't know many people here listening to, to that stuff. Um, probably do. some of them. But. So, but once I got here, it. And obviously it grew on me because I understood it. Like I'm, I'm watching, you know, the people here and I'm, and I'm seeing these experiences and it, it like makes perfect sense. So, and obviously Memphis music has evolved a lot, you know, um, but, um, but no, yeah, I, I love it. I, I love Memphis music. Um, and we play it all the time at Inkwell, um, you know, especially late, you know what I mean? Uh, Throw on some three six. Yeah, you know, maybe some of the older people leave out. You know, you know, somebody might grab the aux and and, and put something on, mm-hmm. uh, just depending on the feel. Um, but no, I, I have a I have a big appreciation big appreciation for um, Memphis music um, that I've had to grow into. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and it's literally one of the most important parts of about the city. So. It is. It's it's definitely experienced the music. Um, even the dance, you juking as well as singing. I uh, have not juked, if oh, I may okay. say it like that. <laughs> no, no, I can't juke. No, I can't juke. I can't. I don't really dance either. I'm not a. I don't really be dancing. Okay, you yeah. just vibing. You vibing. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. Ben. Well, it is time for a segment we call "A Mine Say Mine." Repeat after me: "A Mine Say Mine." Hey, man, say mine. How you got it down, Pat? <laughs> and this is a moment of transparency okay, okay. between me and you. And what I want to know from you, Ben, what has been the biggest obstacle you've had to overcome while in Memphis? While in Memphis? Um, I got a lot of, like, you can't do that. You know, mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to do that. Um. Yeah, and college friends. No, I mean it's it's from people who didn't know that okay. I what I was capable of. Typically, okay. it's not not really friends. Um, you know, in college, I was told that I should drop out, like like that. I w- I wasn't gonna be good enough. You know, um, by my professor. I had my a professor too. Professor, you a professor told it. me like, "Hey, man, like you sp- <laughs> you spend a lot of money. Like you should probably just like go ahead head back." You know, this college of art. Yeah, I ain't gonna name no names. Okay. I ain't gonna name no names, but, you but that. like, like, yeah, he literally said like, this might not be right for you, you know, um, and he could not have been more wrong. Like, mm-hmm. it's crazy. Um, but I like that. I've encountered that sentiment at multiple points in my career, and I think it has less to do with be- being in Memphis. Just like you're now trying to do something great, and people see that and they react. They mm-hmm. they have their own personal experience. And they apply their personal experience to to you and say, "No, nah, you can't do that." Because when I tried it, it didn't work, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's been a little bit of that, or a lot of bit of that, um, and that's you know, it's kind of fueled me every time. So, uh, so you use it as a fuel. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. The the baby grand, the the agency that I opened, um, you know, Inkwell. Like these are all things that I literally have been told you probably shouldn't do that. Like. Mm-hmm. You like really like think that through, you know, and so, mm-hmm. um, yeah. All right. So your creative agency goes hand in hand with Inkwell and other projects that you have. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, I'm I'm working 100 percent in that and in Inkwell, and 
you know, it's the same culture where, you know, it's about having, you know, it's, it's branding and advertising, but that's about having a different perspective than, you know, some of these other bigger agencies that don't have leadership that looks like me. No, it's a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. We need to talk. Actually, it's a lot of them. Yes. It's good to see a black man running his own agency like that. Yeah. And there's some, and there's some, there's some black led agencies out there too. I want to give a shout out to, uh, Three Eye Communications, uh, Kenneth Worlds. Yes, shout uh, out to Kenneth. Yeah, Dana James Mwangay, Cheers Creative. Dana, yeah, former uh, verbally effective guest. Yes, yes. Um, you know, and the other ones out there. So, and they're they're sort of, you know, popping up and sort of growing, and um, and I think people are noticing, like, you know, there's different perspectives to, you know, to to doing this uh, advertising work. So. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, Ben, I have truly enjoyed you today on Verbally Effective Podcast. You are indeed verbally effective. I yeah. thought you was a little nervous when we began, but you didn't came right you saw, on you down. You saw that switch. You yeah, saw that, that switch go switch. up. I turned it that, on. That you turned it on. <laughs> well, I turned it on. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. check it out. I want you to let everyone know, you know, where the Inkwell is located, um, yeah. your social media handles. Yeah. How can everyone continue to follow your journey? Yeah, so on Instagram and Twitter, uh, my handle is just at Ben Kolar on both of those. Um, I'm not on Facebook. I mean, I'm on there, but don't go to Facebook. Um, <laughs> uh, go to the website. Yeah, uh, so BenKolar.com, and that's just kind of, you know, a hub to get to other places. Um, Inkwell website is uh, drink at Inkwell.com. Um, Inkwell is at 631 Madison Avenue, um, hours Wednesday through Sunday, 5 p.m. to 1 a.m., Every time the kitchen don't close early, you know you can order a flatbread at twelve forty five. Okay, you might annoy somebody, but it's still t- technically <laughs> open. Food is open till one. Um, What's the best thing on the menu? The most popular thing is the grilled cheese. People like go okay. crazy about that grilled cheese. Gotcha. Um, but l- lately, it's been flatbreads. Since it got a little cooler, everybody's been order- ordering the flatbreads. Gotcha. Um, but yeah. Okay. I think that's it. Okay. Well, Ben, I wish you the best of luck. Um, I'm definitely going to come and hang out at Inkwell for the holiday season. Yeah, yeah. And catch some of them vibes you're talking about. Yeah, come through. And um, I really appreciate you for coming and share your journey today on Verbally Effective. Um, I think we need to see a lot of people that look like you, black men especially, Mm -hmm. getting into some of these different spaces out here. Mm -hmm. You know, I I can't tell you that I know a black-owned cocktail bar owner. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't. You're the first one. Mm -hmm. Do you know some in Memphis other than yourself? Mm-mm. Come on. Not not craft cocktail bar. Not craft. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So I applaud you for even taking the risk with that venture. Thank you. I appreciate that. And thank you for coming on Verbally Effective. You guys check out my good guy right here, Ben Kolar, originally from Southside Chicago, but he from Memphis, man. <laughs> and he is the owner of the Inkwell Cocktail Bar out in the Edge District. Hey, guys, make sure you hit that subscribe button on Verbally Effective. Make sure you hit subscribe on that Ina Esco YouTube channel. And I'll see you guys next week. Happy holidays. <laughs>